Hey, welcome to the See Generally podcast. This is Jake. This is episode two, titled How Having a Child in the NICU Has Made Me a Better Attorney. This episode's actually based on an article I wrote for the Idaho State Bar that first appeared on my blog. Um, but it talks about when last year my wife gave birth to uh, our, our second child, a little girl who we were very excited to have. However, uh, due to preeclampsia uh, and some high blood pressure issues, my wife actually gave birth seven weeks early. So, so our, our little girl was seven weeks premature. And this was all happening when I had been practicing for about a year and a half, around there. So there was a lot of stress that came out of that. It was a really uh, complicated time, I think. But, you know, luckily I we, we came out of it. My, my daughter's tough and learning to walk. She actually started walking this week, which was pretty exciting. But I wanted to share some of my thoughts that I, I wrote in that article. And this, this isn't just going to be a regurgitation of what I've shared previously um, and what, what the article is, but uh, I, I still wanted to maybe give some insights from that and some things that don't necessarily appear in the article. But the first thing and maybe the most important thing is, uh, so lesson one, helping those most vulnerable means listening to what they are telling you. So in the NICU, the babies were always sending out signals. They were crying, spitting up, color their skin. Uh, Lots of these signals, though, were not super well recognized. And that's where all the medical equipment came in. There were vital signs, internal sounds, blood work, x-rays. And it really impressed me how dedicated and developed these methods of receiving the signals that these babies were sending. Um, and I think this can apply in a lot of ways uh, into a legal setting where, you know, if, for example, I, I work with a lot of domestic violence victims at my job. And often these clients are sending signals that, you know, other clients wouldn't necessarily be sending. They might not make eye contact with you. They might, when they're telling your story, when they're telling you their story, they might uh, do things in a non-linear fashion, which can be difficult to uh, follow along with. But uh, it's it's important to be able to recognize the signals that your clients are sending. Uh, Some of that will come with time. Others can be... uh, very visually observable immediately, uh, how they're sitting, how they're talking to you, the tone in which they're using, that all matters. Uh, more information can actually be gathered as well through a, a, a well-crafted questionnaire that they might fill out before they come in to do the initial interview. So if, if you're interested in helping your clients, it's, it's really important to listen to what they're telling you. So lesson number two that I took away from the NICU experience is that some problems need to be fixed immediately. Uh, I, you know, I spend a lot of time at the NICU, probably 
goodness, both my wife and I, for the 28 days she was in there, we probably spent eight or nine hours between the two of us each day there. Um, and there was always a nurse who was taking care of our daughter. And that nurse would know how to recognize some sort of alarm that went off or, you know, any of the noises that were going on there. There, there was a lot of noises in the area. And I was always pretty amazed at the nurse's ability to identify the type of alarm, to be able to instinctively know if it was something urgent or not, and if needed, rush to correct the problem. So I, you know, sometimes we have clients who uh, might call often. When we as attorneys, we help people with things that are pretty important to them, things that they can't do on their own typically. So when clients call or, or communicate or email or stop by even, um, sometimes it can be easy to just say, you know what, I, I'll set up an appointment, I'll talk to you then, I'm working on something else. But with some issues, I, I don't think waiting is appropriate. Um, for, for example, with housing issues, if there's a major repair issue going on, if you're talking to a tenant uh, sometimes that needs to be taken care of immediately, or at least give them the paperwork to start the process with your la- with their landlord. So recognizing the problems that need to be fixed immediately, and then having some sort of system that can can that can be triggered into effect uh, is is going to help you serve your clients better. The third lesson I learned was that most problems, if if not the majority of them, um, are going to need some sort of long-term plan and patience to correct. So when I talk about uh, some problems needing to be fixed immediately, and that's okay, I think it's also okay to recognize that if you're helping someone with a divorce, for example, divorces don't happen overnight. And being upfront with your client about how long it's going to take is going to help you as an attorney, but it's also going to reach a better result. As, as I said in my article, real solutions are methodical, deliberate, and multifaceted. So the fourth lesson I took away is that it, it, takes, an, it takes a team to, to fix a problem, essentially. Like, like that old saying, it takes a village to raise a child. Every morning in the NICU... Uh, they would do what was called rounds. And rounds was where uh, the attending doctor, the nurse practitioners, the nurses, the social workers, and really anyone else that was available would go from, uh, it was kind of a cubby where, the, where each baby was, was uh, I don't know if held's the right word, that, especially with what's been going on in the news lately, but that's where the babies were kept and cared for. And this team would make the rounds between all of these different patients that were in the NICU. And my wife and I were at every one of them. Well, my wife or I uh, was at every one of them. And there was a lot of useful information, but it, it was most useful because everyone there was for a specific thing. They could give you kind of a, a laser... Uh, opinion about one thing. Oh, uh, your daughter's nutrition level is this. 
So there might be a nutritionist there talking. A social worker might be there talking about, oh, well, it looks like your daughter is um, maybe having problem X. And when you leave, uh, we can give you a referral to an occupational therapist who can help with problem X. Um, it, it, it was really useful. And uh, just kind of piggybacking off of that social worker, you know, I, I think a lot as an attorney about how so many of these problems that my clients are coming to me with would be so much better fixed by someone who is a social worker. I I can help people with legal issues because that's what I've been trained to do and that's what I should be doing. Um, But there's so many other issues that our clients have that that need other expertise. And so I have found that it's been useful in my practice to, one, have an understanding of community resources, uh, two, make an effort to foster relationships with those resources, and three, know who is an expert on what in the community and know how I can get my client connected with that expert. And, you know, one, one of my law professors even just mentioned having, having a simple list in your desk that when someone mentions a problem to you that you can open up and say, well, here's someone who you can talk to about that that's way more... Uh, I guess, in a, in a better position to, to take on that and to give you the care that you need. So lesson five is uh, recognizing the importance of self-care when you're caring for others. And in my article, I, I make reference to a 2009 uh, piece in the New York Times that talks about PTSD Uh, for people who are uh, caring for someone in the hospital. And it it specifically talks about parents of NICU babies. And it says, quote, experts say parents who are at risk for post-traumatic stress should be identified ahead of time and given help to prepare them with dealing with the initial trauma, close quote. So, I, I am, am very open about this, that I had uh, some, some mental health effects with my daughter being in the NICU and with uh, having all of these relatively new and important responsibilities at work. And I just, I felt like I was on overload and I, I was able to take some steps to get some help with that. You know, I, I talked to a counselor for maybe about a month on a weekly basis. And that kind of just helped me work through some things. I, I made, uh, exercising more of a priority. I recognized that, uh, you know, take, taking care of myself was going to be important for me to take care of my daughter and my wife, and my other little boy, and my clients, and my staff, and everyone else that was depending on me. Uh, The legal profession is notorious for creating self-care issues, and we cannot let our focus to fix our clients' problems lead to compounding our own problems. So last year, the ABA actually released um, an article about combating stress as an attorney with the practice of mindfulness. And 
even just being able to close your eyes when you're feeling stressed out and trying to count from one to 10 without having another thought enter your brain. And if another thought enters your brain, then you should start over and doing that repeatedly until you can make it to 10. It's amazing what that will do to kind of center yourself and be able to continue what you're working on. Um, I, I, I think there's a reason that when you're on an airplane and they're giving you the instructions that most of us who fly don't necessarily pay a lot of attention to, but they mention when, when the oxygen masks fall, if, if that does happen, you're supposed to put your first, you're supposed to put your oxygen mask on first. And I guess I shouldn't put my hand in front of my mouth while I'm recording this, but put your oxygen mask on and then put it on the person next to you. And you're supposed to help yourself first before you help your, this person next to you. Um, and I, I think that's a, a really good idea that we can apply to the practice of law, that the more stable, the more of a position of personal strength that you're working from, you're going to be able to help your clients better, get better outcomes, and just be an all-around better attorney. Your skills as an attorney are essentially limited to your own functional capacity. And making sure that our functional capacity is at its peak and not uh, on overload and not overwhelmed is is going to be important. And there will be times you feel overwhelmed. Uh, I just had a trial last week and it was, um, excuse me, it was, it, it was a, uh, you know, just a stressful thing trying to get ready for it and trying to manage on my other cases and um, recognizing that you will do the best good for your client when you are in the best place you can be personally. I, I found that to be useful. So I, I hope these these five lessons are helpful to you. It, they were helpful to me as I came out of that situation. And like I said, my daughter's doing great. We're all doing great. And, you know, it, the, the best we can do in a lot of things in our life is just learn from it. So thanks for listening and I'll, I'll talk to you next week. You've been listening to the See Generally podcast, Lawyering for Young Lawyers. Our theme music is by The Ghost and The Guest. For more information, practice tips, and lawyering content, please visit cgenerally.com. If you like what you heard, consider subscribing or commenting wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks.